Uh, but if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where today uh, we're going to kick off what will be a three-week series entitled Renew, that, that as the slide displays, bum, 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 will be on generosity. And so, uh, man, today, really, we have a lot to set up. Uh, even before we get into our time, uh, usually whenever we start a new series, that is the case. Uh, and so, man, we've got a, a lot to jump into, but I want to ask up front that you just stick with me, okay? Because you see, before we, we get into the awkward, uncomfortable nature that is talking about how the gospel calls us to view and steward our finances generously, I, I want to say something up front, and really this is kind of, uh, it just kind of builds out the fullness of this series. And what I want to say is that this series, while in spe- a specific sense, is about generosity. Each week we're going to talk about what it means to be a generous people in light of the gospel. The last week, we're going to call uh, everyone to generosity. Uh, But but so in a specific sense, that's what this series is about. But in a broad sense, uh, this series is a call to renew one's partnership with the church. That's why it's called Renew, okay? So, So when we think about that, and maybe you're already saying, well, why Renew? Like, what does that even mean? Why are we working through a series like this? And why does it matter When it comes, why does renewal matter when it comes to both partnership and generosity? And so the way I want to do that and explain it now is I want to begin with the definition of renew. So according to Webster's Dictionary, renew means this. To restore something to freshness and vigor. It's the act of reviving that restores existence in that which is being renewed. Another definition I heard is it literally means to begin again. Now, now I, I don't mean start all the way over necessarily. Really, if I was going to just kind of hone in, I, I would say it's more of a recommitting with a purpose. So when we're talking about renew in this series in terms of partnership and generosity, it is each one of us recommitting with a purpose. I think if you look at God's word, you see over And over and over again, these moments of renewal, right? Like if you read through the Old Testament, God is always calling His people to Himself and they are renewing what? He's renewing His covenant with them, right? He's saying, I am your God, you are my people, follow me. Follow my laws and statutes and it will go well with you. And the people respond with this renewal, right? Usually following just them turning from God and running to other things. But there are moments like this over and over through Scripture. And Paul's letters, if you look at them in the New Testament, uh, if you read Paul's letters, what you see are these themes and these points and these uh, moments where Paul is saying, hey, man, renew, remember. So even today as we look at 2 Corinthians 8, that's what we're going to see. One of my favorites is from Psalm 51, where we're called not only to remember our need, but to be renewed from the inside out. In Psalm 51, David says, God, give me a clean heart. And then he says, and also renew a steadfast spirit within me. And so David, a great man of faith, he he knew something that I think we know at times, but often uh, if we're not careful, we can forget. And it's this, that while saved by grace, we need the grace of renewal. We need the grace of renewal because of our battle, continual battle against the power of sin and selfishness that seeks to hold primacy in our lives. 
You see, sadly, we are often too forgetful of our need. And in turn, we just get comfortable and we just drift along. We lose our freshness and our vigor. And before we know it, we're just a bit crusty and lethargic. Any of you ever feel that way? Like, man, I just feel like... I, I, spiritually, I have no motivation. I, I, I feel lethargic. I feel a, a bit crusty. There's no vigor in my heart. There's no, uh, there's no passion in my life. And this is where the renewal comes in. You see, the thing about renewal is it only happens as we reorient our lives around the gospel. As we walk in, and I want you to hear this, we walk in repentance. A lot of times we want renewal, but we don't want to repent of what uh, has brought about our crustiness and lethargy, right? The things we're looking to, we're going after. As we turn to God in faith and humbly live into and out of dependence, dependent obedience in Jesus. And so this is what we're after in this series. Gospel-oriented and gospel-powered renewal. And so we, we have, as um, our advisory team and, and as Jeremy and I, as we uh, talked about it and kind of kicked around, what is this, well, what are our goals for this series? Really, we have two goals. The, the first goal is to renew partnership. And so what we want is this. We want every partner, as someone who is committed in partnership, uh, to renew their partnership with Center Church Brenham. You see, we as a church have been called to partner together for a purpose. So over the last few months, I've been meeting, and uh, we even had uh, Nathan and Jeremy, we met with a guy that's been doing some leadership coaching with me. And uh, really, after being a church plant for seven years and feeling more established, although that's kind of a loose term at times, like uh, sometimes we still feel pretty crazy, uh, but I was wondering, like, okay, what are we after? Where are we headed? And we started having these conversations, and, and really what we've done through prayer and just kind of talking through like, man, who are we as a church and what are we after? We've come up with a new mission statement as well as some new values. And so uh, it, when we talk about Center Church and the purpose that we have in partnership, this is simply what we want to say. Center Church exists to invite people to Jesus and call believers to live out the gospel. So when we think about what's Center Church about, well, we want to be an inviting people that don't just invite them to church, but invite them to Jesus. Guess what? I can't change anyone's life. We want to invite them to Jesus, and then we want to call every believer to, to go out and live out the gospel. Really, a shorthand version of that is invite in, live out. What is Center Church about? Well, we invite in, we live out. But along with that, we, we wrestled and said, okay, if this is our mission statement, then what do we value? And a long, long, long time ago, it was just very simply gospel community mission, because that's what everybody valued if you were a church planner, uh, which are good things, right? And I think you're still going to find those in our values. But what we did is we just took like, hey, hey what are four things that we really want to go after and really want to be about? And they're these. First, we cherish the gospel above all. Second, we cultivate biblical community. Third, we coach theological discipleship. And then lastly, we commission every partner, which is what you see every Sunday after the benediction. We say, you are sent. Those are the things we value in light of being a people that want to invite people to Jesus and call every believer to live out the gospel. And so what we've done is we've taken and we said, okay, this is what we want to partner behind. 
And this is what we're asking you to be in partnership to. And so I'm going to ask three things. If you have been to a basics class and you've signed one of our partnership covenant forms, we have a new one. It's a one pager. It has all this that I just walked through in it. We want you to grab one of these and we want you to sign one again. Now, this is why. One, for some of you, you were here all the way back, way, 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 way back when we met in the house and you signed one of those things. And I heard from someone that I talked to this about and said, yeah, I don't even remember what was in that form. And I was like, yeah, probably. But So we want you to read through and wrestle and pray and say, hey, is this, I, I want to remember what I'm partnering in. And then the last Sunday of this series, we want you, if you're ready to partner with us, to just return this to us. Next, if you've been a part of a basics class and you've never filled out a partnership form, but you want to partner, we want you to take one of these as well. We want you to read through it and pray and wrestle and talk about what does it look like to renew. And we want you to sign one of these and hand it in the last Sunday that we do this series. And then lastly, if you're not a partner and you haven't been part of a basics class, we want you to be a part of that class before signing the partnership. And so we ask that you refrain. But what I will ask is, hey, take one of these and go ahead and read it. Pray about it. Think about it. Put some questions together. And so at the end of our time today, we're going to have these at the door. You can get one as you leave. So that's the first goal. But the second goal is to spark renewal or freshness, excitement, vigor when it comes to how we view generosity, specifically money. Even though it's uncomfortable, even though it engages an area that we like to keep hidden, even though you may not like it, we're going to take the next three weeks to talk about it. And so I'm going to give you two reasons why. Then I'm going to give you one ask, and I promise I'll get to 2 Corinthians 8, okay? So the first reason why is, that, is this. Jesus talked about money more than any other subject. If you read through the Gospels, He talks about money more than any other thing. Because He knew how easy it is for us to turn to money for dependence, value, and identity rather than God who owns it all and has just called us to steward it for, the glory, for, for His glory as ministers of the Gospel. And so as a minister of the gospel, man, it's my job to talk about even the hard stuff, even the awkward stuff, even the thing. That's why like, we are committed to be a church that says, hey, even the hard things of politics we want to engage in, even the hard things of money we want to engage in, even the hard things of sexuality we want to engage in. Because, man, the Bible talks about them, has better news for them, and, man, we want to equip the saints so that we might then live out the gospel in our communities. But secondly... I believe that when you have an understanding of generosity in light of the gospel, I believe that your giving and your generosity moves from begrudging, stagnant giving to sacrificial generosity. And so those are the two reasons why, but I'm going to make one more ask. Stick with us, okay? Stick with us. Don't tune this out. If you have to miss, listen to the sermon online. Like, stick with us. And the reason I say that, and I, and I want you to really hear that, is because, man, in our culture, that's hard for us. Because we have what I would term as a buffet culture, do we not? Like, I could go around, like, how many people listen to podcasts in here? And I could tell you, hey, write down your top five favorite podcasts. The, 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 
It, it would be, the variety would be so crazy, right? We'd be like, no, you've got to let it get. It is a buffet out there, right? But, but, but do you remember like the, the days before Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon Music? Do you remember before you could make like a mix CD or illegally download music, right? You, you remember uh, when uh, all that was really readily available was just the radio? Like my kids have no concept of that. My, my uh, uh, Bluetooth broke in my truck. Only works every once in a while. And so they'll want to listen to something. So I turned on the radio and they were listening and they were like, Dad, we don't like this song. Turn it. I was like, I can't. And they were like, what? I said, I can't. Like you, this is it. Now I can turn it to a different station, but I turn it to a different, I don't like that song. No, I can't turn it. Why can't you just change the song? I'm like, that's not the way the radio works. Like as a kid, you just, you tuned in. Hey, there were still options. You could turn it down. You could turn it off. You could select a new station, but you were very limited. Not only that, but it all depended on who controlled the radio, right? Oh, man, I remember growing like as a kid, like I suffered through some music, you know. And now my kids are suffering through some music. But you see, in our culture today, we have so much control over what we take in. And that's both a gift and a curse. Because I think it, it, the reason is it creates too much power that we don't know how to use. And I think the same holds true in the church. Well, like in the church today, like we have an endless buffet of things you can listen to. Like everybody can go find a pastor that will preach about generosity the way, the way that you want generosity to be preached. It may not be biblical, but you'll be comfortable with it and it'll sound good to you. You know, we have an endless buffet of, of ways that you can walk in here with lenses regarding generosity. And maybe some of you, like even now, you've already put those lenses on. And so my ask is that you would take them off and stick with us over the next few weeks. That you would tune in, that you would wrestle, pray, and even ask God to renew your heart in this area. Because again, the threat is that you could just change the song. You could change the song by saying, well, uh, uh, I, I don't like what you're saying, so I'm not going to come back. You, you could change it and say, well, I'm only going to go listen to them because I enjoy the way that they talk about the way I give because I only give the way I want when I want. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe for you it's just, well, it's just my money. You can turn it down. Like you can come in here and we can walk through this and you can just make a litany of excuses. You can walk in here and hear about generosity and just start to pat yourself on the back. Maybe you can just uh, hone in to the, the, the numbing sense of comfort and just be like, I, 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 I have it all together. I, I give you know, what I give and that's good enough. But I want to say this, don't come into this series thinking you don't need to hear it. And I believe that all of us need to come in with open hands and hearts that say, God, have your will in my life, but also have your will in my finances. May our prayer be, let me not believe what I currently believe or I currently give is enough. Maybe it is, but let me ask God that first. And then lastly, you could just turn it off by saying, I'm not listening to it. It makes me uncomfortable. It's not my style. 
You see, our heart in this series is to look at how the Scriptures reveal generosity to be rooted into the fabric of our response to the Gospel. And so today we're going to look at the gospel in light, or generosity in light of the gospel. And I, I, I want us, I have three goals for today. First, I, I want to show that generosity is something to be celebrated in the life of the church. Like when we see generosity happen, we should celebrate it. Secondly, I want you to see that generosity is an overflow of grace. It is by grace that we are given life and made to be generous. And then lastly, that you would rejoice in the truth that generosity is rooted in and an overflow of the selfless nature of Jesus. So one more question. Are you ready? Well, here we go. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 7. This chapter begins with the title, Encouragement to Give Generously. Paul says this, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. All right, so Paul who, if you know Paul's dealings with the Corinthian church, uh, go read 1 Corinthians. He pulls no punches. It's actually, some call 1 Corinthians the severe letter. So he has a lot of significant and blunt history with this church in Corinth. But what's happened is after his first letter has gone to them, he has heard a report, and the report has caused them to rejoice because, man, they have repented and turned to God in faith. And, and so Titus brings Paul this report but, but in doing so, they get uh, to this point of generosity. This point of generosity is rooted in 1 Corinthians 16. At the end of the letter, his first letter, Paul says, Hey, we're taking up this collection for the church in Jerusalem. And we want you to, to be a part of that. And so in Titus addressing Paul, they get to this point regarding the collection and a concern arises because what's happened is the Corinthian church who started well in this has really just kind of got lax and lethargic. They've kind of lost that vigor and freshness. And they've stopped giving. And so what Paul does in chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians is he addresses it. But, but I want us to see from the start. Because again, and we'll just get into it in a second. Look at how he addresses it. He doesn't shame them. He doesn't condemn them. Rather, he disciples them through celebration and encouragement, which is not how we commonly think of the call to generosity, right? I don't know if you're like me, but like when I hear generosity, when I hear, you know, talking about money and church, like I, it makes you uncomfortable. Like you, because guess what? We carry a lot of baggage when it comes to generosity in the church. 
For some, maybe you've been shamed into giving. For some, there's manipulation tactics. There's, uh, for, for you, prosperity theology uh, has given generosity in its place in the local church a lot of really poor stereotypes. And so I want to say this up front. We're not after private jets, okay? Like, that's not me. That's not Jeremy. Like, we're not after that. We're not here to ask you to sow a seed into something or any of that kind of stuff. Again, we're here as pastors. We believe that we are called to equip the saints in holistic discipleship. And I believe that this is a major area of discipleship that is never pressed. And so when talking about generosity, the first thing that I want us to see is that it is not something to push away or to be nervous about, but it should be a regular thing we both encourage and celebrate when we see it in others. Like generosity is something to be celebrated. Like you, you see, like as you see, like you should celebrate. Like man, he's like you were so generous, and man, that that is a grace to my life as I look at it. And what it does is it encourages me to then go be the same. This is what Paul is doing. This is not one of those things where Paul is saying, "Hey, look, your your brother in Macedonia, they're doing way better than you. You need to get your act together, little brother, or little sister, or whatever." No, he's saying, "Look at this. This is beautiful, man. Hope you need to be encouraged to do the same." See, what we see in the text is Paul speaking to a church who by God's grace in the face of extreme poverty, this church in Macedonia is giving more than Paul or others ever expected them to do. Secondly, what we see from the start is not only is generosity to be celebrated, but we see a kind of my second goal in this, which is that generosity is a grace of God in the life of every believer. Like today, do you believe that generosity is a grace in your life? And if so, do your actions align with your beliefs? You see, generosity is a celebration that flows from an understanding of God's grace in the life of the Christ follower, and that leads to the grace being shown, that grace being shown towards other, both inside and outside of the church. You see, the problem is that while we might know this scripturally, I believe that honesty suggests that that is at times not our first response. And I think, again, some of that has to do with the culture we have been brought up in and lived in. And live in. Like culture says, you make it, it's yours. Do what you want with it. But the Bible says you steward that which you have been given for the glory of God because He gave you the grace to even make it. Culture would say, hey, not only that, but the reason you shouldn't be generous is you should have a scarcity mindset. I mean, we've, we've seen that, right? Like, how many, how many of you are getting ready for Thanksgiving? Like, who's cooking for Thanksgiving this year, right? How many of you have already heard the reports that there's a turkey scarcity, right? I'm like, really? Turkeys? Like, they're kind of everywhere. But like, that's the way those are reported. You better go buy your turkey because there's not going to be enough turkey. You better go buy your cranberry sauce because there's not going to be enough ocean spray. Like, you better do these things because there's not going to be enough. And then guess what? The day after Thanksgiving, it'll be like, well, there's not going to be enough Christmas trees. So you better get out your Christmas tree now because there's not, there's not enough. Like, that's what we're told over and over and over again. Culture says you should have a scarcity mindset. You should have a, a mindset that says, man, I'm going to be about self over the next person. But there's another one. 
that I think at times is really common in the church when we talk about generosity is this. Just pass it on to the next person. They'll be generous. Just pass it on to them. It's like, like with kids, right? Like my kids are like, hey, dad, will you buy that? And I'm like, we can't buy that. We'll just get some money out of your pocket. Because on them, like they have no concept. It doesn't matter to them. Money grows on trees. And so to them, it's just like, yeah, just buy it. Like pass it to the next person. I don't need to buy it, but you can buy it for me. You see, I think this could be the same struggle for the Corinthian church. And so Paul celebrates the overwhelming generosity shown by the church in Macedonia. Again, not as a mean to shame and coerce, but to encourage others to respond according to the same grace. Now quickly, I want you to understand what this church in Macedonia is dealing with. because they, they are a war-ravaged church that is dealing with extreme, extreme poverty. And yet, by God's grace, they have exploded with generosity. You see, they, like the poor widow Jesus speaks of, gave not of their excess, but out of their poverty. So today in your life, what is your giving? Or even what, would, what you would define as generosity? What does it come out of? Is it only when you have excess? Is it your first, your last, or your not at alls? I think C.S. Lewis says it best when describing grace-filled and gospel-informed generosity. In his book, Mere Christianity, he says this, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditures on comforts, luxuries, and amusements, etc. is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. Listen to this. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. Mercy. For the church in Macedonia, you see, it was through affliction that an abundance of joy and, and, and an extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of not hoarding, not calculating, not sowing generosity. And as I read that C.S. Lewis quote this week, I was struck. And I went home and I said, Haley, i got to tell you this. Amen. I, I think in, in conviction, like we, we want to begin to ask some questions about like, man, in our own lives, like we give. We give faithfully, but do we give generously? Because man, in my own life, I don't know that right now there's anything pinching or hampering me when I give. Like in my own life, it just comes out, automatic draft, and I'm just like, well, the rest of the budget's already set. The celebration continues in verse 3 where Paul tells us that they not, not only did they give, he says they gave beyond their means. Now what this reveals is the faith of the church in Macedonia to trust that even though they didn't have enough, they knew what it meant to seek first the kingdom, trusting that all their needs would be met. I think the key to this response is found at the end of verse 3, but could easily be looked over. It says this, they gave of what? Of their own accord. 
That that phrase means that they weren't shamed into this type of sacrifice. They longed to do so. But we see more to this in the verses that follow because Paul says that they begged earnestly for the favor of taking part in generously giving to those in need. Let me just break down kind of what, what happens there. The beginning, they begged earnestly. Well, what that means is they wouldn't stop asking and pleading that they might give generously. They said, we want to give generously. And they said, no, like you're in extreme poverty. You're war stricken and ravaged. And they said, no, but we want to do this. Please, please, please let us do this. But look, they, they said they begged generously for the favor. Now, this does not mean that they were trying to earn favor from God. Like uh, prosperity theology would say, if I give this and sow this, I'm going to receive this, right? That's not what's happening here. That, that word for favor there is that they're not trying to earn favor from God. Rather, they saw this act of generosity as a way to take part and participating in the work God was doing. That's what they wanted to be a part of. And so today, would you say you find yourself in a posture of begging God to allow you to be generous? Like, is your prayer, God, allow me to be more generous? I don't know about you, but a lot of times my prayer is like, God, like, let's just let the budget stretch, right? Like, let's, like, I just hope, like, there's, is there enough? You know, you think about, like, Christmas is coming up. And every, like, some of you are probably really excited about that. But, but in, at Christmas time, we have a saying that says, it's better to what? Give than what? To receive. Good job, guys. I think your parents are discipling you. It's better to give than to receive. But, but hear this. For the disciple of Jesus, and that's a good thing. And we should practice that in December. Because if not, we can get all wonky and janky and it's all about, you know, me, me, me. But for the disciple of Jesus, Christmas is every day. You see, our lives should be marked by generosity and giving. Hear this. It doesn't mean you can leave the decorations up all year. It doesn't mean you sing the songs all year. But we should have that kind of mentality. Man, daily it's better to give than receive than just one day a year. Look at how they did this though. Verse 5. What we see in verse 5 is that this church in Macedonia had given their whole selves to God. All of it. Not just Sundays, not just part of their finances, not just some of their time, not just a day of service a month, not just when they felt like it. No, they laid out their lives and lived with open hands, ready to do what God called them to. Not just that, they were hungry for it. They said, God, here's our lives. We beg of you to use us. And are we hungry for it? See, the church in Corinth has forgotten that. And today, maybe in some ways we have too, which is why Titus is sent to encourage and admonish the church through the celebration of the gracious generosity of other believers to tell the church in Corinth and us today to complete the act of grace that has begun in our lives. You see, the issue is that generosity and a lack of generosity is a discipleship issue. That is rooted in a heart issue. 
See, when you believe your money is yours to do with it as you please, instead of understanding that it was given by grace to be used as a grace, your heart and life, guess what happens? Your heart and life becomes hardened towards generosity. But not only that, it becomes callous towards those that are in need. I mean, it's an issue that we often mask by projecting other areas of spirituality. Paul, I believe, sniffs this out in the text. Like he knows that that we're prone to say, yeah, but look at all these other things I'm doing. And so he just points them out. He says, "You're you're doing well everywhere else except here. So why not here? And that's so common in our own lives, is it not? We project all the other areas but hide from and get angry when it comes to talking about generosity. So Paul gives the areas of grace that we tend to excel in or project. And so I want to just lay these out really quickly. And then what we're going to do is I'm going to talk about like, hey, where does generosity fit in? If we're going to claim to excel in these things, and how does generosity fit in the picture? So he begins with faith. He says you excel in faith, which faith is dependence upon God. I think a lot of times like we can say, oh, I depend on God. But, but I would challenge you in this. Show me your finances, show me your giving, and we'll see where your faith lies. Where your dependence is really set. Next he says, in your speech, which is really for the, it, it translates into like the understanding of the word, of doctrine. It's saying, hey, you excel in understanding and articulating God's word. But guess what? Understanding doctrine void of obedience does us no good. We can articulate all kinds of theology, but take tithe, and then on the same, at the same time take tithe and generosity in Scripture and cast it off as something that was just for the Old Testament. Which leads to knowledge, which again is taking the Word and knowing how to apply it to your life. It's saying, hey, I don't just talk about generosity, I be about it. I live it. I'm hungry, I'm begging God, God, how, do, how can you use me for your glory? Then he says earnestness, which is spiritual passion to serve. You see, we put our earnestness in other things ahead of generosity because those things can be seen. So what Paul says, he says, you excel everywhere else. See that you excel here too. What he's saying is be generous. Again, this is encouragement, not shame. And then we get the big, by, the big why behind it. So let's close by looking at verses 8 and 9. Paul says this, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also, also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for our, your sake He became poor, so that you by His poverty might become rich. There it is. So lastly, what we find is that the foundation of why we give generously, which is that generos- is this, that generosity is rooted in and is an overflow of the selfish nature of Jesus. Paul, Paul says, he says, look, this isn't a command. Again, this is why it, it, talking about giving is so difficult because I believe man, in, in some context it has been commanded in ways that are unbiblical and manipulative. But this is also why engaging it, encouraging it, and celebrating it is so important. Because it is to be a voluntary response that comes as an overflow of God's generosity towards you. 
You see, our generosity or lack thereof is a mark that proves the genuineness, not of our salvation, but that the love we claim to have for God and others is really a love for God and others above self. You see, you can be saved and be crusty and need renewal. reason being is because biblical love is sacrificial in nature. And we see that with what Paul closes with. For by love, specifically the love of Jesus, our motivations change and we love differently. We who were once lovers of self, because of what Jesus has done, now know and have experienced a grace and love that is richer than anything else. And so we love differently. We are to know We are to know, and in turn, we love God and others in ways. Guess what? We are to love in ways that baffle the world around us. We are to give in ways that baffle those around us. I believe that one of our greatest gospel proclaimers is generosity. Because the world has no, it has no grid for consistent, radical generosity. Now, we can get behind when a hurricane hits, man, everyone, like, it's, and that's a good thing. But, man, the church, we're to be consistent people. That just say, hey, what was the need? Like, hey, let's be generous. And the world doesn't know what to do with that. You see, we are to live generously. And then when asked, or even if not asked, we are to point to our motivation in verse 9, which is Jesus Again, generosity is rooted in and an overflow of the selfless nature of Christ. For he who was rich for our sake would become poor. So that by his poverty we might become rich. Now now the focus of Jesus' poverty is not possessions, although he was not born into affluence. Rather, it is a call to see Jesus as Paul describes him in Philippians 2, 6-9. It says, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus did not simply come and give part of himself. No, he came generously and gave all of himself. Every part. Stephen Um says that Jesus gave not just a tenth of himself, but all his riches. He embraced poverty so that we might become rich. His radical act of total self-giving is the only thing that can consistently move us to give beyond the minimum. If we understand that we all that all we have is a direct result of what Christ has given us, we will be moved to give out of our abundance. You see, an understanding of the price that was generously paid for your life should move and motivate you to generosity. So I'm going to have a band come back up, and I just, just want to ask, where are you today? Like, like where, like as you think about like, like where do you need renewal? And I'll even go so far to say, man, today, like, do you need spiritual renewal? Like today, do you just feel like, you know, uh, man, I just feel dry in terms of my walk with Jesus. And so I want to revert back to what we talked about last week. Many like, are you taking time daily to get in God's word and say, okay, five minutes. 
I'm going to read. In five minutes, I'm going to pray. I'm going to be involved in community. I'm going to get involved in a quip or whatever it is so that you might grow spiritually. Do you need that kind of renewal? Cry out like David in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Maybe it's service. I would just say, like, man, like, one of the ways we need to be renewed is, I mean, we are called to serve one another in the body of Christ. And, and I'll just make a blatant point. Like, we are in desperate need of, of more kids' volunteers. Like, amen. Amen and amen. Like, and I, I like, I, it seems like every week, like, it's just like, where, where are we going to, how are we going to pull over here? And, you know, people get sick, and then we're like, what are we, like we, like we need people to step up, step up and say, hey, I'm going to serve in that capacity once a month. But maybe for you, like maybe it's like, well, it's definitely never going to be kids. I'd say, just go pray and make sure that you, the Spirit of the Lord and not you, you know. Like, uh, you know, just, but there's other, like if you're not serving in any capacity in here on Sundays, or like, man, come and talk to me. Like we want to get you plugged in. Because guess what? I believe service is an act of worship. I'm saying it's not about me. How I can serve others. And a lot of that, may we celebrate and encourage. But then lastly, like today, do you need renewal and generosity? Like today, as we saw earlier, like there are there in your life, could you say there are things that I should like to do but cannot because the charitable expenditure excludes them? And I want to ask you to wrestle and pray. But, but to ask God, man, renew my heart for generosity. Don't be so quick to say, yes, it's, an, you know, what, what I, uh, you know, to say, yes, what I give is enough and that's it. No, just go to God and say, God, like I beg of you, if there's more that I can give, show me a way. Does it pinch when you give or do you even recognize it's gone? And then lastly, I'll say this. If you're in here today and you're hearing all this talk about renewal, uh, guess what? Regeneration has to come before renewal. Like you need to know Jesus before you can be renewed in Jesus. You have to be brought from death to life. And so, man, if that's you today and you don't know Jesus, I want to invite man, come, run to Jesus today. If you have questions about that, come and talk to me. Talk to one of our partners. So what I want to do is we think on those things and process, and, and you press into just that act of renewal I, I want us to as a way of talking about renewing partnership is we're going to share in communion together again so here in a moment if you're a follower of Jesus and you you, uh, you are in good standing with your church and, and you, you are here today I want to invite you every disciple is a follower to come and share in communion we have bread you can grab a cup and I want you to just come up grab it and go to your seat and then I'm going to lead us through together it's a way to say we are partnering in this. We do this in remembrance of Him together. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to ask you to refrain, not as a way to, to shame or cast you off to say, man, do we believe this is very, very important because it was very, very costly. It cost Jesus His life. And so I'm going to pray and then y'all can begin to come up and once everybody's done, we'll share in communion and then we're going to worship. So God, I thank you now for this time. Lord Jesus, I pray that as uh, we even just sit here, God, that we can be reminded of the generous act of Your Son 
That, that, that we could be reminded of the grace that, that is so richly poured upon us. That even in our faithlessness, you are faithful. And God, I pray just for a deep renewal spiritually. But also in terms of generosity, as we work through this series, God, that you would make us uh, generous people. That we would begin to, uh, to go to you and ask questions and beg of you. Reveal to us just how we can be more generous. Not for the sake of, of, of growing uh, the brand or a, any, anything of that sort or making ourselves feel good, but for the sake of your glory and your kingdom being made known to the world around us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.